So we're in our bodyguard series, and this morning is the culmination of what I've been talking about for the last two weeks. I started out by talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and the beginning of those fruits is love, joy, and peace. Except I went backwards. Peace, joy, and now we're on love. And I believe that this message has the ability to tie in and bring together the other two in a powerful way that can transform your life and bring victory. Amen? Does anybody in this place want victory this morning? Right? Does anybody in here want to walk in more authority in their life? Amen. Does anyone want a Holy Spirit raise this morning? A promotion this morning? Okay? Some of you are like, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want that. You're right. You know what? A lot of people in the world takes promotions, right? They're like, I want a promotion at my job. And they get in that position and they say, oh, no, this was a, this was a mistake. I was not ready for this. And they realize they have to stretch and grow, right? Anybody ever been in that situation? I deserve the job. And you get there and you're like, <laughs> okay. Um, well, that happens in our spirit too, right? We step up to a new level, new devil, right? And so we step up and we get to this place where we go, oh, I, I don't know if I was ready for that. So it's important that we have a firm foundation that we build this stuff off of, okay? We can't just run out there all loosey-goosey, just throwing around the Holy Spirit, letting them do messes, okay? So we got to understand what we're doing in our walk so that we can create heaven on earth because that's what God wants us to do, amen? How many of you guys could stand for a little heaven on earth? Some of you have been walking in a little bit too much hell on earth, and it's time for heaven to take the place of. Amen? Amen? All right, so 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through... uh, Oh, I left out a verse here, but let's see if we got it. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is the key foundation to everything else that you do in your Christian walk. Everything else you do, the foundation is love. I don't care how awesome you are. I don't care how articulate you are. I don't care how powerful you are, how funny you are, how smart you are, how gracious, right? How cute. Some of you guys think you're too cute, all right? But I'm the only too cute one around here, all right? Some of you are like, that was kind of cute. Hey, I'm missing a verse there. What does verse six say? Anybody? Who's got it? Rejoice in the truth. And this is what it says about love. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I know you've heard this before, but I'm going to try to pull out some revelation out of this that maybe you haven't heard before. All right? So I want you to listen to this. Love does not dishonor others. Say, love does not dishonor others. See, there's this process to our growth where there is pruning that happens from the Lord. There is a process that happens, but love does not go through that process and leave us humiliated, okay? There is a difference between being humble and being humiliated. 
The Lord will take you through situations in your life where you will be humbled, but he will not humiliate you. There are people that you get around in your life that think that their job is to humble you by humiliating you. Sometimes we get in a circle and, of people and we think we've seen love before. But they put us down, they degrade us, and we just say, oh, well, they're just, they're just crying. Let me tell you what, I'm a pastor, okay? And so everyone thinks because I'm under the lights that somehow I'm prideful about being under the lights. Oh, everybody's listening to me speak. I got something to say. And they actually think it's their spiritual job to keep me humble. They think their job is to make sure that every week my head doesn't blow up like a balloon. And so they make sure to humiliate me. You know why pastors have pride problems? Because they're defense mechanisms that they protected themselves by how many people have humiliated them. Okay, that's where it comes from. It doesn't come because I'm so awesome. It, it has to, it's a survival mechanism. I have to survive. And I just thought I preached my heart out and I thought I changed some lives. And then someone handed me a note that told me I suck. Okay? That doesn't happen to me because if you humiliate me, go find Jesus somewhere else. So I don't let that happen, okay? Because I understand that the Lord brings humility. He does not bring humiliation. Okay? And there is a difference between the two. So if you're around people in your life, look, it's one thing. We joke, right? Because if you know me at all, you know I'm a jokester. I'm always clowning around. I, I love being ornery. I love people being back ornery to me. But there is a difference between just playful banter and being ornery and humiliating, right? There is a line, right? Like we learned how close that line is yesterday as we were having dinner, right? So Sandra, I'm eating dinner and I got, I got a little gravy right there. I got a little gravy right there. And Chas goes, you got a little gravy right there. And I'm like, oh, thanks. That's a good friend, right? And I was like, so I took my spoon and I was like, right here? And I was like, right there? Right, right there? Is it right there? Where's it at? And got gravy all over my face, right? And Sandra was like, <laughs> and she took a picture and posted it on Facebook. <laughs> right? Now, you might think that's a little humiliation, but I did it on purpose. I put the gravy on my face on purpose, so that's just ornery. Does that make sense? But if I had accidentally spilled something on myself, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just did that, and she would have gone, hmm, 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 keeping you humble, that would have been humiliation, right? In the middle of a moment of, 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 of failure for me, right? It was ornery the way we did it. So she's like, oh, no, he's calling me out. No, I'm not. Um, so there is a difference. You can still be playful. You can still keep your character. You can still keep your personality, but, but love doesn't humiliate. Amen? So I want you to understand that as we go through this process. Love brings correction. Some of you need to understand that, that there are people called in your life to bring correction, and love brings correction, but it does not humiliate. So I want to set that foundational principle, because I don't want you to think it's okay. I'm loving you, so I can just come up and be like, you're an idiot. Okay? You carry the spirit of stupid. All right? Like, that's not Okay? That's not love. It always honors. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. All right? If someone comes to you and says, you're an idiot, and you can tell they are happy to let you know that, they might be delighting in evil instead of rejoicing in the truth. And the truth is that you're redeemed and set free and that you're a son and a daughter of God, and there's greatness in you and treasure in you, and I just want to come alongside you and help pull that out of you, Okay? There is gold inside of us no matter how much dirt covers it. So you might have some dirt over your gold, but there is a nugget of gold inside of you that God has planted deep in you. And that is the reality of what you are. And if somebody is not willing to dig in your dirt to find the gold, then they don't belong in your life. 
That's good. That's not my notes. I'm just, I'm just letting the Holy Spirit lead where we're going, okay? So last week, I talked about this idea of oneness, right? So I talked about the word, the Hebrew word, echad, for, for one. And it means to, to have a divide that God creates a pathway or a doorway through to bring about his covenant. Through God, we can have a way through the blockade. That's what the word one means in Hebrew. This idea that when we become one, we have a way through, but it comes through covenant, all right? So I want to talk to you and expand on this idea of one. Does everyone remember that? I think there was a picture of that from last week that you could see that of in, in there it is. So Alf Chet, I got in trouble the other day because I got to thinking too hard and I said Chet. It is not Chet. Everyone say There you go. Chet. Chet, okay? I knew better. All right? Uh, Alf Chet and Delet, okay? And, that, and that, those three consonants are what forms the word in Hebrew for one. So it's a pathway through the separation to God, to a leader, strength to get through the separation. That's what that means, amen? Okay, so we're gonna talk about that. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31, it says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Let's stop right there for a second. Look at me, look at me, not the scripture. Look at me. What are the two greatest, what is Jesus' answer here? Love what? God and others, right? That's what we think he says. But that's not actually what Jesus says. There's a piece missing that we need to look at. And what's amazing about the Holy Spirit is doing this. I'm at a conference. I have this in my notes. I'm ready to teach on it. And one of the pastors gives this small nugget. I'm like, what? Jehovah Sneaky, making me think I'm stealing his message, all right? All right? But so I went up afterwards. I'm like, you got to look at my notes. So I showed him my notes. And he's like, mm-hmm, that's very nice. I said it first. All right, so <laughs> we don't have Saturday church. Uh. So uh, the most important one. So this is what he said. He, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Have you ever heard that before? Did you know that was in there? I know you did, John, because you're super smart, but the rest of them are like, what? Okay? Somebody changed my Bible. Is that really in there? Some of you flip. I see, I see you're like, no, he's lying. He's lying. He's putting it up there. Okay? The most important one answered that Jesus answered this, hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one. Is one. If you ask any Jew, you ask any Jew, what's the most important commandment? You know what their answer will be? The Lord God is one. Amen. That's how they'll answer it. I could say it, but I just didn't want you guys to think I was so cool, okay, and show off. I could talk that too. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> so this is what he says. The Lord God is one. This, there's something powerful in the revelation of understanding what he's saying. Okay, that doesn't mean that love is not the greatest commandment. He's trying to set the foundation for love in action. There's something about one and love that matters. We're talking about supernatural love here. We're not talking about worldly love, okay? I'm not talking about boyfriend-girlfriend love, okay? I'm not talking about some, some idea of love versus hate 
that we have a misconception of. Because the world, love and hate are opposites. But in the kingdom of God, supernatural love, love is not the opposite of hate. It's the opposite of fear. Because it says perfect love casts out all fear. It is the opposite of fear. In the world, love and hate are opposites. We're not talking about the world's love here. We're talking about something higher. And this one revelation will bring it to fruition in your life. So everyone say, the Lord God is one. Then we love God with all our hearts, minds, and souls. And then we love other people. That's what Jesus said. One. See, when you abide in Christ and you become one with him, then you truly bear the image of God. I want to show you an image that I took from my Kenya trip in Africa. I have this image of a lion that you will see. Put up the lion image for me. It's not working. It's on the very bottom of the slides. Very bottom. Okay, I'm, I apologize. Something went wrong there. But I, I was sitting on the edge of the car taking pictures of lions. I was taking videos, and Susan was taking pictures of these lions. And we pulled up along these road, and there was like 10 lions. 10 lions. And they were all just hanging out, and they're just walking by. From, uh, so this lion, look how close that is. We didn't zoom in. Okay, it's 10 feet from us, sitting on the road, just chilling. And there's like 10 of them. You see, you guys see, it's like camouflage, right in the center there. Right in the center, under the tree. Okay? You can run up to the stage, go up there and pet it if you want. Um, But there's this lion there, and they're so majestic, and they don't care at all that we're there. They're just, hello, hello, hello. And they're laying down and just enjoying it. And they're so cute, I just want to cuddle them. Right? But see, the... The people there told us and warned us. They said, whatever you do, don't get out of your car. Because as long as you remain in the car, you are bigger and scarier than they are. And as long as you are in the car, they will not attack you. Even if you hang out the window, sit on the ledge, as long as you are attached to the car, they will not attack you. But there was a gentleman, they told us the story, there's a gentleman that got out of his car to take a picture of the line, a little closer up. He wanted to get out and get a little closer picture And the lions instantly mauled him to death while his family watched. Okay? Because as soon as he separated himself from the vehicle, the lions saw that he was not a part of that car and that he was smaller than they were, and they attacked him instantly. They seemed docile, but the reality was is they saw the car as bigger than them, and they knew they couldn't challenge it. It didn't matter that I was hanging. I was literally like sitting out of the window. I was was up and, and... and Susan did too. And then later on, we went to see the giraffes. And Susan's like, I want a closer up picture. What does she do? She gets out of the car. I'm like, Susan, get in the car. And she's like, now. And I'm like, your pastor says get in the car. And she's like, we're not at church, okay? <laughs> I have waited my whole, the only time she has ever like defied me. And she's like, she's like, I waited my whole life to do this. I'm walking up to that. I'm like, there's probably a lion. They were thinking about eating giraffe this morning. And now Susan's on the menu. Get in the car. And I'm like, I, I was just kidding about this whole wrestle a lion thing, but I'm not just going to watch Susan and be like, mm, told you. <laughs> right? Sucks to be you. Right? Ha ha. Told you I wasn't lying. Gosh. She got out of the car. She separated herself from safety. 
She separated herself from security. She separated her sense from sensibility, okay? All right. And she lived. She's fine. It was awesome. All right, so what, what happens is, see, that's what happens. The word of God tells us that we are supposed to abide in Christ. And as long as we are in him, the enemy cannot devour us because we are bigger than ourselves by ourselves. But the second we step out of Christ, Christ is the car that drives us in the safety of this world. But the second we step outside of Christ, we are subject to the dominion of that lion and he has the opportunity to devour us. You are powerful when you remain in him. You are safe and secure when you remain in him. But if you step outside of him and you think, oh, I went to church once, I'm good for the week. And then the Monday through Saturday, you are outside of him. You are outside of his presence. You are outside of relationship. And then you wonder why the world is devouring you. You wonder why things keep happening because you got out of the car because you wanted a closer look at what the world had to offer. Ouch. Oh, that hurts. You're stepping on my toes, pal. Right? You want a good word and stay in bondage? You want a happy word and stay in bondage? That's fine with me, but I'm here to set you free. Okay? So here's the idea. <laughs> here's the idea. We have to become one with God. We have to get in communion with God. I got some things to say this morning. You guys are going to just have to listen, okay? Because some, some people in here need to get free. So if you, gotta, if you get starving and you got to go, just get up and leave quietly. Um, John 17 verse 20 through 21, says this, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. We must remain in him. We must remain in him and him in us. It is a relationship where we are in Christ that sustains us. But it's not just that. I want you to look at this. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. When will the world believe that Jesus was sent? When we're one. When we become one with God and each other, then the world will know he was sent. What does that sound like to you? Paul said, I don't come to you with articulate words, but in power. So if Paul understood that you come in power and not words... And here, when we become one, the world will finally know. It means that when we become one, something crazy is going to happen. And I'm going to be taking pictures. Right? I want to be there for that one. <laughs> right? So I'm not here to fight with you. I'm here to join with you. I'm here so that we can be one. Look at this. This is the only time in Scripture this happens. Jesus prays, God in flesh. Jesus prays and we answer. It's the only time that God himself prays and asks us to answer it. Let them be one as you and I are one. So then the world will know they said, when we come together as one, then the world will know you sent me. They have to answer it. We get to be the answer to God, finally. But it's on us. This is not something you can pray. Lord, make me one. You have to begin to walk in that. You have to begin to join to Christ and become one with him. 
So what does that look like? Okay, I want you to understand what we're talking about here, the, the, the culmination of oneness and the power it has in your life. Genesis 1, through 28 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. Say image. In the image of God, he created them. You think if he repeats it again, he wanted you to pay attention to it? So God created them in his own image. In his image, he created them. He said it backwards just so you would get it right, okay? So you get it, what he's trying to say. In his image, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God created man in his what? In the image of God, he created them. Yes? Amen? All right, so you have to understand that we were created in the image of God, in the oneness of God. We were bound to Christ. He breathed the breath of life into us and created us in his image. Not in his painting, not to look like him, but with his very DNA, he breathed the breath, the ruach of God, it says. The spirit of God came into us. You think God breathes oxygen? You think he needs to breathe oxygen? So what did he breathe out? His spirit, a piece of him came into us and made us in his image. And we're joined to him. We're one. And when Adam was one, he took dominion. Oneness will bring dominion. Oneness will bring dominion. When you are one, God can trust you with dominion in your life. When you are the image of God, you unlock dominion. When man fell and separated from his image of God, he lost dominion, didn't he? Right? Who took dominion? The enemy, right? Satan. Satan took dominion of the earth because man no longer represented the image of God because it was fallen and corrupted. But when we become one with God, when we rejoin with God, when we rejoin as Christ made an opportunity for us to rejoin. See, Christ died on the cross so that we could be one again. So that all the things that separated the oneness, separated the image, that got distorted in the image, that those filters could come off and we could finally sleep clear enough again to become the image of God and take dominion once again. That's what it is. I'm going fast. You got to listen faster, okay? I'm going to show that to you. I'm going to show that to you, that the image bearers of God have dominion on the earth. Genesis 11, 4 through 9 says this. We're in Genesis 11. We're talking about the Tower of Babel, okay? Right? And this is where our word babbling comes from. It's own babbles. They're talking about the Tower of Babel. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Say, a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if, if as one people, say one, speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from all over the earth and they stopped building the city. And that is why it's called Babel because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. Listen to what God says. When they came together as one people speaking the same language that nothing was impossible to them. There is a level of authority and dominion that we have never unlocked and never will by ourselves. That we must become the image of God and then we must come together as one to become the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and there will be a dominion that's unlocked over us that's even greater than what Adam had in the garden. 
Because what Adam had in the garden wasn't the very essence of Jesus. Right? Adam was a son, but he wasn't a bride. Right? And you parents in the room, you understand there is a difference between your kids. One day you will kick them out. Okay? But you are not joined as one with them. Let me say it this way. Paul, the, the, the Bible says this, that the two shall become one flesh, right? Husband and wife come together and create and become one flesh. One flesh. And then Paul goes on to say in a different way. He says, that, that's why the word says, the two shall become one flesh. And this is a great mystery. There's a great mystery in this oneness coming together and being bound together as the same. And so God gave us this image in marriage so that we would fully understand the power and implication, right? Some of you in here understand that. You mess with my wife, you mess with me, right? Some of you don't care if your wife was wrong. She can be wrong, but don't you raise your voice to her. She'll apologize when she's ready, but you raise your voice to her, I'm going to squash you into a little bitty buggy, okay? Right? But she's wrong. Yeah, I, I'm aware she's wrong. Like, I'm aware of it, right? I'm sorry. Uh, let, me get, let, me, let me put that in truth context. I'm aware he's wrong, uh, but that doesn't give you the right to yell at my husband, right? Because we know wives are never wrong. Husbands, right? Wives are never wrong. Say it with me. My wife is never wrong. <laughs> okay. Got myself out of that hole. Got myself out of that hole. There was three women that were jotting a, a, a hate note to put me in humiliation and just now. They were like, I... Okay, he said it right. It's good. I'm not going to. I will slap you silly. I'm going to talk to your wife about how you're acting. Um, so the whole world was confused by this oneness that had been separated. So they lost the image of God, but they came together as one people, and they did things that were impossible. Now imagine what happens if they get the image back and they become one. That's what Jesus is trying to say. You don't get it. Even the people who lost the image of God, because look at what it says here. Look at what it says. It says, so that we may make a name for ourselves. You can never be the image of God when you are trying to name yourself, when you are trying to define yourself. Adam was not, aimed at, was not named Adam by himself. He did not pick his names, did he? Who picked Adam's name? God. God says, and I will call him Adam. I will call him man. And he named him. Now he gave Adam a job because he's an image bearer of God, is he not? So he's an image bearer of God. So what was Adam's job? Name the animals. I named you, now you name the animals. His job was not to name himself. And so these people who had lost the image of God came together and said, we will make a name for ourselves. And God said, oh, no, 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 no. See, you don't understand. If I let you start making your own identity, if I let you start determining who you are by yourselves without my image, you will corrupt the image of God and I will not get it back. You do not create the image for yourself. You do not control your identity and you don't control your authority and you don't know who you are until you are rooted in Christ because only God can give you identity. Your father doesn't give you identity. Your husband or wife doesn't give you identity. The fact you're a mom doesn't give you identity. If I ask you, who are you? You will probably start. 99.9% of people, if I ask you, who are you? Hi, I'm Pastor Ren. Who are you? You're, you're going to start by saying, my, my name's Sean and I run a pet store. Right? You're going to tell me what you do. Most of you are going to start that. You're going to start telling me what you do. Because you think the things of this world give you identity. What you do gives you identity. You are not supposed to name yourself. 
You are supposed to be one with God and let him give you his image. So when someone says, what are you? I'm the son of the living God. I'm blessed and not cursed. I'm highly flavored. I am the head and not the tail. Yeah, I said flavored. You caught it. I am not... I am not bland. I am all kinds of spicy, and I preach fire. I am highly flavored because the Lord my God is a God of all creation, and he made it beautiful, wonderful, different, and colored, and flavored, all kinds of different ways, and I represent him. So I might be a little spicy, okay? Because I'm on fire. So the Tower of Babel separated man. I want you to get this. At this moment, we became tribal. Anybody in a hurry, or is this a good word this morning? Come on, okay? This is a good word. I got a revelation for you that's going to change your life. Don't be in a hurry this morning. I'm telling you, those that wait on, upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. Something's going to happen for you this morning. This is not waiting on ketchup. This is waiting on the presence of God, okay? So we had a separation happen. God saw their power and he separated them from Babel. And we became a tribal people at that moment. That's the moment of tribalism. All of us talking about racism and, and sexism and elitism and all these isms, it all goes back to Babel. We separated and they went to ones that spoke like them. It went to ones that look like them, that act like him. And today we are still operating in the destruction of Babel. I'm going to get around you because you're smart like me. I'm going to get around you because you're white like me. I'm going to get around you because you're black like me. I'm going to get around you because you're rich like me, right? I don't want to be around you because you're not like me, right? I'm just going to say this. Look, racism is not black or white. It has nothing to, there is no side, no side of any situation that has a hold on one species, one race, one color, People, the news will tell you, look, look, the world has its own perspective that is so screwed up. Let me tell you what, it thinks it can take one color and say, this color is a problem and that color is just fine. There is no problem. This is not a human flesh thing. This is a babble spirit thing. Dominion that we had left and tribalism took its place. And so no matter what it is, black, white, rich, poor, Greek, Jew, you getting it? Free, slave, we separate because Babel happened. God had to bring separation because of the fall of man. And God is desperate to get you back to the image of Christ. And in order to do that, he has to go backwards. He already created a way. Jesus already came. But he's got to get us to mentally go backwards and step back through Babel and then back into the garden and get our image back so we can have our name, so we can have our identity. Okay? So he's got to go backwards. That's why Jesus said, Lord, let them become one as you and I are one. Undo Babel. Undo the fall. Undo that moment so that we can go back to doing the impossible. Amen? I don't care if someone looks like you. You need them. I don't care if they're a hot mess. Without them, we don't get to impossible. We got to go together. So how do we get there? Oh, that's good talk, pastor. That's great. We got to become one. How? How? Colossians 3.14 says this. Colossians 3.14. It's talking about the virtues or, or basically the fruits. Okay, a little different than the fruits of the spirit, but 
almost identical to all the fruits of the Spirit I haven't covered yet. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. The thing that binds everything together is love. Supernatural love will bring the unity that we are missing. You want joy, you want peace, you want kindness, gentleness, mercy, grace. It's all bound together in love. Let me put it this way. You think your character is what brings people to you. You think your character draws or subtracts people from your life. It gets you the raise or the bonus or the promotion or anything else you got. It's love. Love is the only thing that unifies, that brings together. Some of you guys have been told your character is off. Some of you get told your character is wrong. Right? Some of you are a little bit too noisy. You make a little bit too much comments. Right? Some of you youth, you get a little bit too many, too many jokes in the classroom. Right? Your teacher's like, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop making all those jokes. You need to change your character. No, you need to get your character in alignment with the word of God, but you don't need to change your character. God created you with an identity and each one of you have a character that was created. Now your character can get corrupted, but when you put it in the image of God and you filter it through being in Christ, your character will define what Christ has created you to accomplish. Okay, so let me say it this way. God uses your character that you were created with. And love refines our character into the usable image of God. When you operate in love, you will become the image of God. God does not work outside of your character. God uses your character to complement your calling. And when refined with love, you'll step into your commission. So I was at a conference. Let me go this way. I was at a conference this weekend. It was a conference at an old church that I used to be on staff with. I was excited to, you can never go home again, but I was excited to go and visit and, and be nostalgic for a minute and visit all of them. Fantastic, wonderful men of God. <laughs> and I'm sitting there listening. We're talking about character here and we're talking about love. And we're sitting, I'm sitting there listening. And man, I, I sat under that pastor for years and he's like one of the best communicators I've ever heard. Okay, and it's this conference where they're bringing in the best communicators you ever hear. And I'm listening to all these communicators and they're just wordsmithing it, right? The revelation of the rejoicing of the, of the renewing of your, of your rear end brings, you know, I can't, like I can't. They just got all the R's, right? They got the rhyming left and right, right? And they got all the, oh, it's like, oh, that's a good way to say it. Why didn't I think I say it that way? Okay, and I'm listening to all these articulate speakers. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pondering that in my own heart. <laughs> so something, something happened. Here, here's the truth. They were speaking life and truth and they were speaking it well. They were speaking it well. But you wanna know what I got out of the weekend? The truth? Can I be vulnerable? Can I be real for a second? Is that okay? Huh. I felt a little uncomfortable, right? Because when I left that church, I was one image. But now I'm something, something completely different. 
and they don't know me. They don't know what I carry. So I'm the old rent, right? Anybody ever gone home to your hometown and you're the little kid that left, right? And you feel really like, right? You shrink, don't you? And it's like, oh, yeah. And I feel they're all like, oh, rock star Ren's here. He's a place for music. I'm more. And so I was battling with that idea of, do I go up and say, hey, look at me, I'm more. Or do I just chill in the background? But let me tell you what, there were some moments that happened that made me feel invisible. That made me feel unseen. There's a pastor there that spoke at YFN a couple of years ago, and I had this really crazy, funny, hilarious, wonderful encounter with him at YFN two years ago, and it was hilarious, right? And I might have told the story before about he owes me $5, okay? And, and so uh, he was preaching about this mentor in his life, and he was like, that mentor knew Jesus. I mean, this guy knew Jesus. This guy knew Jesus like Jesus owes me $5. I know Jesus, Okay. And it was funny, right? Like, oh, no, I know him. He owes me five bucks, okay? So I went up after service, and I was like, great message. And I slapped $5 in his hand. He's like, what? And I was like, put it in your pocket. So he puts it in his pocket. I was like, man, you owe me $5. And, he, and he's laughing. He's dying. He's like, that's fuck out. That's great. You know, and that night at the service, he preaches about it. He's like, this guy, this pastor slapped $5 in my hand. Ah! And he tells the story. And I go up to him the next day, and I'm like, you shouldn't have taken my five bucks so quick. And he goes, oh, you want me? And I was like, no, 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 I don't want it back. I was like, you don't understand. You said that man knew somebody like they owed him $5. You owe me $5, so you have to know me. Now you know me like I, you owe me $5. I said, you just entered into a covenant to know me. You just entered into agreement to know me. And he's like, okay, okay. I said, so if you give me my $5 back, you don't know me. And he goes, okay, then I know you. All right. And you could tell he was like, whoo, right? It was a great encounter over two days. So I walk up to him at this conference and I walk up to him. I'm like, man, hey, man, missed you at YFN last year. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, and I was like, no, 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 not because you weren't speaking. And I poked him in the chest and said, you owe me $5. And he goes, what, what, uh, what? And I was like, you owe me $5. And he's like, I, I do? And I was like, oh, come on, man. Don't tell me you don't remember. So I start to tell him the story. So he'll go, oh, right? So I'm already a little deflated at this moment. I'm like, oh, this is a good joke. And now I'm explaining it. This is stupid, all right? He had the spirit of stupid. Anyways, uh, he's the one that was saying that, okay? So um, he doesn't matter how much I tell him. He doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. And I was poking him in the chest. And now I realize, I'm like, I look like a crazy dude coming up to him. You owe me $5. And he doesn't know what I'm saying. He's so busy that he didn't love me because he didn't see me. So I was invisible. So I shrank. How do you, how do you think the rest of the, and as soon as I sat down, I want to give it up for our next speaker. Come on up here, right? And he came up and spoke. I sat in that room and listened to him teach me while I was invisible. And it was hard for me to want to listen to the words coming out of his mouth when I knew there was no love in his heart for me. I'm not saying, he, this is a godly man. I'm not, I'm not diminishing him at all. But I realized that moment I was invisible to him. He did not love me. Okay, this guy's on fire, set free. I mean, he's, his theology's right. Like, I'm not criticizing him. Please don't think I'm doing that. Okay? But we didn't connect. 
And so I sat there and I was frustrated. I just wanted to go home. And I'm sitting there going, I'm invisible. These people only remember the old me. They don't know what I carry. I'm gonna go to my people. Like, I wanna get out of here. But I sat there and listened begrudgingly. Not, I wasn't mad, I wasn't angry. I was just humiliated, right? And so that night, he's actually teaching at the main conference. This was a little breakout session, and he's teaching the main conference. And I'm like, I just want to go home. I'm like, I don't want to listen to him. And he starts talking. I'm like, I'm going to work on my message. Like, I'm just going to work on my message. Something he says drew my head up. And I was like, well, that was good, right? And he's amazing. One of the probably like top 10 most articulate speakers I've ever heard in my life. And he said something. And I said, man, in my spirit, I just didn't want to listen because he didn't love me. And the Lord said, ignore his flesh and listen to his spirit. Because his spirit has something to give you. You don't need a relationship to catch what he's saying. And the Lord humbled me, did not humiliate me. The Lord showed me correction and love, not humiliation. And I grew. And so I listened to the rest of his message. And I realized it's okay to be invisible. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even though he had some things that maybe I was listening to and going, oh, that's a great way to say it. That's a great way to do that. That's a great way to do it. His words did not have weight to me. They did not land on me. They did not have life-changing weight to me because I don't care what you say. I care that you love me. Maybe you're that way. You don't care what someone has to say. You care that they love you. Maybe you feel invisible this morning. You don't care that they, they are seen. You care that you're seen. We know everyone in the room can see me. I'm standing up here not so you can see me, so that I can see you and speak into your life. I prayed before I came up here, Lord, let me love each and every person enough to tell them something that will change their life and cause them to grow. I see you. You are not invisible to me. I don't have all the time but I'm going to pay attention to the time we have. So here's what I figured out. I'm listening, and I'm listening to these other articulate speakers, and I'm like, man, oh, man, I got to work on my game. I got to get more articulate. I got to rehearse my, my isms, you know, my sifting brings shifting, you know, I got to, I got it right. There's, there's revelation and rejoicing. Like, I got to get them all down, right? Right? You can get covered in communion. Like, like, I just got to come up with all the fancy C words and say it so fancy. And I'm like, I need to work on my junk. Like, I need to just repeat it over and over and over and over again. And the Lord spoke to me and said, if you spend all your time trying to say it right, what time are you going to spend with me? Oh, I stopped right then and said, Lord, let me never stop seeking your presence. See, I, and I realized something. I don't want to be better at talking about his presence than I am being in it. <laughs> what puts weight into your words is how saturated they are with the presence of God. Not your punctuation. I don't want to be in love with the words that I say. I want to be in love with the person that I say them to. I don't want you to be invisible. I don't want to be more articulate. I want to be more powerful. <laughs> I hope 
This is what I said to myself when I thought about his articulation. I hope that I am as powerful as he is articulate. And I hope I never spend more time perfecting my speech as perfecting his presence. And I don't want to receive more respect from others. I want to give more love to others. Let me me get to the culmination of my message. I'm closing up. I know we're late. The Hebrew word is for love is ahava, ahava. And it's sped, spelled with the Hebrew word words. And I, uh, I'll have them up here in a second, okay? Um, the Hebrew word words of, of alf, hey, bet, hey. So those three letters, but it's alf, hey, bet, hey. See, the root word of hava is ha, ahav. Of ahav uh, is ahav without the A. And that's just spelled alf, hey, and bet. Okay? Those three words. And what they mean is this. Love is an action. Hey means behold, to look, reveal, or breathe. So ahav means this. Behold the house of God. So the root word of love means to behold the house of God. When you love, you enter into his presence. When you love, it binds it together. It is the car that you can be in Christ in. It is the inn. It's his presence. It's his house. It's his temple. Love, the root word of love. When you love, you come into his house. But listen to this. That's the root word, right? He's the root. He's the root. So behold the house of the Lord. He's the root. But when we we take action on our love, not just love itself, but because he's love, right? So let me say that. God is love. God is the house of God. Behold the house of God. God is, he's the house of God. He is who he is. I am the I am. God is love. I am the I am. I am the house of love. I am the house of God. I am, I am. But Ahava, taking action on love, when we love the verb, behold the house that reveals God. So when we act on the house of God, the love of God, we become the revealer of God's love to the world. Behold the one that reveals the house of God. So love reveals his sanctuary, his presence, his temple, his mercy, his grace. When we operate in supernatural love, not the love of the world, the love that says I hold no records of wrong, I don't disgrace or humiliate you. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is holy, think on these things. The kind of love that says it's not hollow. It's not a clanging cymbal or a resounding gong. But my love has weight. So I'm not up here preaching to you with light words. But my words have weight because I actually love each one of you. My desire is to see your life changed. 
I love you. You want to know why you don't have influence? You want to know why you don't have people's ear? Because your words float to the sky because they have no weight. Because until you put the weightiness of love into them, they carry no anointing. They carry no presence. They carry no power to change other people's lives until love saturates the words that you speak out of your mouth. Not to make them articulate, to make them powerful, to make them life-changing. So I pray that God never makes me as articulate as them if I have to spend the time being articulate they do. But instead, I will soak myself in the power of his presence and like a sponge, it will become heavy. And when it lands on you, it'll stick for a while and it'll change your life. Oh, that's a good quotable thing on Facebook. I can quote that. He said it perfect. And you spend your time excited about the quote instead of falling on your face before him because the words impacted your heart. Love will give you influence. And love will restore your identity. And love is what brings peace and joy together in unity. What brings the soldiers that guard your life together, the general of the army of peace, joy, is love. And he's the one that brings the all three together and gives the battle commands and the battle cries that bring victory to your life. Love has the supernatural power to bring victory to your life because it is the general that orders peace and joy what to do. You defend, you go, attack there. Love is the general. You saw the analogy I did the other weeks. You get it. Love is the general of the army that commands peace and joy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you gotta watch the other two. Supernatural love. Do not weight yourselves in the opinions of others, but weight yourself in the image of God. Can you do that? Can you seek his presence before his, his power? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power within. What do you think that means? That means I love God, but I missed it because I didn't love others. I love God so my words have something to them, but I don't love you enough to pour into your life something weightier. Lo and behold, the Lord God is one. Love brings the unity that makes us one. <laughs> I'm closing right now. Husbands and wives, how did you become one flesh? Because you stood on an altar and said some words a preacher said, put on a, a ring, right? You're yourself, and then it's like, dun dun dun. My, have I just disconnected from Rachel? Have we just broken our covenant? Because I'm not wearing a ring. So this ring didn't do it. Some words the preacher said repeat didn't do it. What bound us together as one flesh? Our love and the acting of our love into a covenant relationship. When we take our love and we enter into covenant with God, we create a door through the divide to God in covenant and we become one. You have to let love 
be the foundational principle that allows you to become one with God and restore your image and your identity. 